Sin, Satan, and decay that came after the fall are underlying causes of much of the pain, suffering, and evil we see in the world today. Expect the work of God, the miracles, healings, deliverance, and salvation to take place wherever you are. Where sin, Satan, and decay have left their imprint, expect the works of God to undo their effects. All right, today uh, is uh, the last Sunday of the month of May. And uh, what we do on the last Sunday uh, of each month is uh, designated as a supernatural Sunday. Um, the objective of that is to uh, just bring a simple message from the Word of God and uh, that will build our faith. Uh, and then we pray and ask God for His hand of miracles and healings and deliverances and divine interventions in the lives of His people, just to keep on reminding us that we serve the great I am. We serve the almighty God and, uh, and then uh, to encourage our faith, to keep our faith built up, encourage to believe in the God who works miracles and expect miracles in our everyday lives. And so uh, we designate uh, the last Sunday of every month as Supernatural Sunday uh, and we've been doing that for some time. So today uh, I want to, uh, uh, I want us to go to the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John and uh, look at one of the miracles of Jesus, John chapter 9. And uh, it's a lengthy chapter, um, uh, but uh, I will just narrate uh, what happened in John chapter 9. Uh, and then we are going to uh, highlight some key things from this chapter. So in John chapter 9, verses 1 to 41, we read about the healing of a blind man. So um, I'm not going to read the entire passage there. You could uh, do that, uh, at, uh, uh, keep some time to do that. But many of us are familiar uh, with this uh, incident. So Jesus and his disciples were uh, passing by and uh, they saw a man who was blind. And uh, immediately you find uh, the disciples of Jesus asking a question, why? It's something that you and I would ask. So they ask the question, why was this man born blind? And so then Jesus begins from there uh, to ex explain to them what, what, what should really happen. And then Jesus ministers to this blind man. Uh, he makes uh, clay, he spits on the ground, makes clay, applies it to the a man's eyes, and he tells him, you know, go wash uh, in the pool of Salom. And obviously there would have been some people who led him to that pool uh, and he made his way there. He washed and received sight and uh, it was an amazing miracle. And he comes back to the crowd and uh, I'm sure he must have been so excited, shouting, screaming and telling people that, uh, you know, he's got his sight back. And of course, uh, the religious leaders, uh, 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 he got the attention of the religious leaders. That was because that day on which the miracle took place was the Sabbath. And so they began to question him. And they say, you know, oh, how did this happen? And so he tells them, you know, uh, somebody, some man came and told me, uh, he put clay on my eyes and he told me to go wash and uh, in the pool. And I did, and I've got my sight back. And so they question him, they question his parents. And, uh, you know, they're wondering how this miracle happened. And so uh, from that, uh, 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 finally, 
uh, uh, you know, uh, they are trying, the religious leaders are trying to convince this man to say that Jesus is not uh, the Messiah. He is not a prophet of God. And this man just says, you know, uh, I don't know anything about that. But one thing I can tell you, once I was blind and now I can see. In other words, you know, this miracle uh, cannot be questioned. I was blind, I can see. I know, I've experienced that miracle. And so, you know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders have their arguments and they disappear. And finally, at the end of the story, uh, Jesus comes back and meets this man. And he asks him, do you know who the Son of God is? And uh, uh, he says, Lord, who is he? And Jesus says, I am the one who's speaking to you. I am the Son of God. And so he then worships and encounters Jesus Christ. Now, uh, using this story, I want to highlight uh, uh, certain things uh, in the, uh, for us today. And I want to do this in, in the form of three word questions. Uh, sorry, three, not three, but four. Four word questions. The first question is why? Second question is what? The third question is how? And the fourth question is who? And you find this in this uh, entire uh, narrative about the in, of this incident. So the first question is why, then what, how, and who. So what, uh, why, and you find this in the very beginning of the story in John chapter nine, verses one and two. So when the disciples of Jesus see this blind man, their first reaction, like many of us would uh, ask, the question is, why was this man born blind? Why? And, you know, that question is a very big question. It's a question that all of us ask when we see something wrong, something that's not going right. You know, why was this man born blind? Why are people born with birth defects? Why is there sickness and disease? Or why is there evil and pain? Why? And, uh, you know, we also have to ask the question, is God responsible for all of this? Is God the one behind all of this problem and pain? Now, very interestingly, uh, the disciples continue that question, that their why question, by trying to find an answer. They said, you know, well, why was this man born blind? Did he commit some sin or did his parents commit some sin? So uh, they're trying to narrow down on the issue of sin and they trying to figure out, I mean, is it because of his sin or maybe his parents' sin or what was it, right? So now uh, people look at how Jesus responded to that. But I want us to understand important, uh, something very important, a biblical perspective to the why question. It is very important for us to understand, and I'm, I'm giving a, a, a summary of what the Bible presents to us to this why question. We need to understand the, the, the three important things. One is the presence of sin, second, the presence of Satan, and third, we must understand the process of decay or death. So that helps us answer the why question. Uh, when we see situations like this, where people are born this way, or evil happens, or uh, sickness and disease happens, all these things, uh, we, must we must look at it from a biblical perspective, understanding the place that sin, Satan, and decay have in all of this. We must not point our finger at God and say God is behind all this. No, 
the Bible tells us very clearly, presents to us very clearly, the other factors of sin, of Satan and decay. Sin, uh, many times, uh, uh, things happen because of sin. That means people do wrong things. People make evil choices. And the Bible, you know, in Romans chapter 1, it repeats this often. It tells us that in verse 24, that God gave people up to their uncleanness. Um, God gave them up at verse 26. God gave them up to their wild passions. And in verse 28, uh, God gave them up to their debased mind to do things that are not fitting. So because of sin, people do wrong things. People do evil things. And that uh, um, God is not the one behind it uh, for a season, in, as we understand scripture. He, he's permitting it. He's allowing them to do it. But he's not the author behind their choices. They are making it out of their own desire for um, uncleanness and out of their own debased minds, their wrong choices. And the effect of sin is the Bible is very clear that sin cuts us off from the blessings of God. And one reference is Jeremiah 5, verse 25. It says, your iniquities have turned these things away, the good things from God away, and your sins have withholden these good things from you. So one of the consequences of sin, not only does sin have caused people to do all the wrong things, but also puts us in a position out of the blessings of God. We're not positioned in the place where God wants us to be to receive of his goodness and of his blessings. So factor in the whole issue of sin when we look at the evil around us rather than blaming God. Secondly, we must also understand the role that Satan plays in all the evil that we see around us. The Bible makes it very clear, and especially through the ministry of the Lord Jesus, that uh, Satan is the one who steals, kills, and destroys. And we are familiar with that verse in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, not the good shepherd. The good shepherd comes to take care of the sheep. He comes to bless the sheep, to nurture the sheep, but the thief, referring to Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why even the ministry of Jesus uh, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, the Bible says Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So this verse is very clear that uh, these sicknesses, these diseases are an oppression of the devil. Uh, he wasn't healing people who were blessed by the Father. No, he was healing those who were oppressed by the devil. Now, every kind of sickness, every kind of disease was brought to Jesus. And the Bible says they, this, this was the oppression of the devil and Jesus healed them. So we must be very clear in our minds that things like sickness and disease these are things that are, are the work of the enemy. Uh, they may be the effects of sin, but Satan is also behind these evil things that are happening. And Jesus, in his ministry, made it very clear that he was destroying the works of the devil. He was destroying what Satan was doing. Uh, the third factor we have to keep in mind when we, why we see a lot of these uh, things happening around us uh, is the process of decay. And uh, Paul explains this to us in Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 18 to 23. I'm just going to read it and then summarize it because this, this might be a, a little bit new to some people. So Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 23, verse eight, 18, the apostle Paul writes, 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So he's talking about a glory that will be revealed. It's something out of the future which is going to be revealed. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation, <coughs> sorry, verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So even creation is waiting for the sons of God to come in uh, this fullness of glory, which will happen when, when Jesus sets up his kingdom and beyond. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, that is God, who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So he's saying, look, this creation has been subjected to futility, something that's, that's destructive. And this creation is right now in the bondage of corruption. It's, it's, it's in a process of corruption. Corruption means decay. It's going away. It's a deviation from God's original design. And right now, creation is subject to this process, um, to this, this corruption. So everything on this planet has deviated from the original design from God's state of perfection, and it's subject to corruption. It's, and the Bible says, but this creation will be brought into the glorious liberty that even the children of God are going to step into, right? So when we step into that glorious liberty, the glory that God has prepared for us, even creation will be brought into that. And, and that is why he says, verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So even creation is waiting for that day. Verse 23, not only that, but we also have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So he's saying, you know, just as we are waiting for that glorious day, when our bodies will be redeemed and we will corruption will put on incorruption, we will have a glorified bodies and we will step into the glory which shall be revealed. Even creation is waiting for that because creation at that moment will be brought out of this bondage of corruption. But where is creation right now? Right now, everything on this planet is in the bondage of corruption. It is in a process of decay and death. So there is this deviation from God's original design. God did not intend things to be like this. Uh, like this. But there is corruption taking place. There is a deviation from God's original design. And that's why we have so many things going wrong, uh, whether it's in, uh, in, in, the, in uh, uh, environmental conditions, whether it's things that happen in, in our human body, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, it's every, so many things around us. So three important factors to keep in mind when we ask the question, why? Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Why is there pain? Why is there sickness? Why is there death? Why, is, why are people born deformed? Why? Why? Three important things. There is the sin at work. There is uh, Satan at work. And there is this process of decay and corruption that came in from the fall of man that is affecting everything around us, going away from its state of perfection. So, we must keep that in mind when we are trying to answer this question, why? So the disciples ask the question, why? And they try to pinpoint and say, okay, maybe it's because of sin. 
But the next question, well, let me just back up and make, uh, make, a, make a statement here in connection with why. You see, um, uh, uh, this whole pandemic, this whole issue of the pandemic, uh, which uh, of course somewhere in the late latter part of 2019 uh, emerged in China and then subsequently spread all over the world. Uh, you know, uh, uh, why? Why the pandemic? You must keep in mind, man is responsible. We don't know exactly about, we don't know the details about the origin of this uh, coronavirus. We don't know that they're still trying to find out, investigating and so on, if we don't know for sure. But ultimately man is responsible. Why do we say that? Because in Psalm 115 verse 16, the Bible says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Who is responsible for the planet? Who is responsible for the earth, for it protecting it, for stewarding it, for taking care of it. The Bible is very clear. The earth is given to the children of men. So we people, we are responsible for stewarding the earth, for protecting it, protecting the natural resources, are protecting the environment, are protecting whatever is there. We are responsible. God said, I'm putting you in charge. And so when things like these happen, instead of us pointing a finger at God, we need to say, hey, we are responsible. We have to behave responsibly. We've got to take responsibility for things we've caused and we've got to sort it out. We've got to find solutions because the earth, his, uh, man has been put in charge of the earth. So let's move on to the second part, what? So they asked the question, why? But then Jesus responded by saying, what? So Jesus, and this is in verses three to five, you know, when the disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Jesus said, no, neither did this man sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. And that's the title of today's sermon, the works of God. So what Jesus is telling us and is teaching us is, don't worry so much about the why. What you and I need to be looking at, given the times in which we are living, is what must I do? Not so much as to why, but what must I do? What must my response be? And Jesus clearly showed us, our response must be simply this. I'm going to step in and cause the works of God to take place. So wherever sin, Satan, and decay and death have left their trail, have left their impact, what must you and I do? What should be our desire? What should we, our response be? We must step in and say, I'm here to work the works of God in this situation. And that's what Jesus is pointing or getting his disciples, teaching his disciples, training his disciples to do. Don't worry so much about the why. Was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? Oh, why? No. Understand what you have to do. Understand you're here for your assignment. And your assignment is simply this, that the works of God be demonstrated in every situation where sin, Satan, and decay have, uh, have affected things. So that's how I want to challenge you and me as believers to think that in every situation, what must we do? We know there is sin. We know Satan is at work. We know there is the process of decay. It's there and it's going to go on 
until God changes these things in Revelation, the 20th chapter, until the such time, these things are going to go on. And so in so worrying about the why, what you and I must do in every situation, he should say, what can I do? How, uh, what are the works of God in this situation where we can undo the effects of sin, Satan, and decay? And so Jesus steps in to do the works of God. And what are the works of God? It's the works of God are the works that undo the effect of sin, Satan, and death or decay in that situation. That's what you and I must be looking at, the what. So when you see poverty, and so saying, why is this person poor? Let's ask, what? What can I do to bring that person out of that? What can I do to work the works of God in that person's life? When you see hunger, and so saying, why is that person hungry? You say, what can we do to, you know, to feed the hungry? What can we do to help the starving? Uh, what can we do to work the works of God? What are the works of God to undo the effects of sin, Satan, and decay? What are the works of God? Those are the works that we must do. And Jesus said, you know, oh, when you have the light, you do the work. Now is the time. You have to do the work. You have light, you have time, do it. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in this world, I'm the light of the world. And thank God you and I are representatives of Jesus Christ. And so you and I are people of light. And that's how we must do, uh, respond to these situations. We are light. We're going here to work the works of God. Now is the time to do it, to do uh, the works that will undo the effects of sin, Satan, and death. So that's the second question. The first is why? The second is what? And then very interestingly, as you continue on the story in John chapter 9, there's this big question of how. And this question was asked at least five times. You, you see this in, in, in this chapter. And all five times, it was the religious leaders asking how. In verse 10, they asked the blind man, how were your eyes opened? Once again, in verse 15, the Pharisees, they go back to the man and they ask him, how have you received your sight? Once again, in verse 16, uh, 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 they ask how, when, when they say, you know, this man did it, they say, how can a man who's a sinner do such things? How? Then verse 19, they go to the parents of this blind man. They say, is this your son uh, who was born blind? And they ask, how then does he see? How? How? How is he seeing? And the parents, of course, say, you ask him because he's old enough to tell you. And then again in verse 26, they go back once again to the blind man. This is the fifth time they're asking the same question. They go, go to him and they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? How? But, you know, the underlying thing to this question is not so much about the method that Jesus used. But their questioning was about the man. Because, you know, he already told them, you know, he made clay. He put on my eyes and he told me to go wash in the pool and I came saying. So they understood the method. Their problem was not so much with the method, but with the man. And the fact that, you know, it didn't fit into their frame of understanding. First of all, it was a Sabbath day. Any man who was, um, 
you know, according to their standard, truly sent by God, would not violate the Sabbath day. He would not do any such thing on the Sabbath. So it didn't fit. Uh, you know, uh, this man violated their their thinking, and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, second, this man who was he, he was a carpenter. He's not a schooled person. He's not an educated person. He's not a religious leader. He's an ordinary carpenter. Again, you know. The, the how question had to do with how could a man like this do such a work? And that's why you find in, in the same conversation that the, that the Pharisees had with this blind man, they say, you know, uh, as for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. I mean, he, we don't know anything about his background. He doesn't have anything big behind him. So he is not qualified uh, to do something like this. So... Uh, they couldn't dispute the miracle uh, because uh, the man said, you know, all I know is I was blind, I can see. They can't question the miracle. But uh, their question was, how? How could this man do it? You know, and uh, the Pharisees that day didn't get the answer because they were unwilling to see the answer. Jesus rebuked them towards the end of that chapter. You find that uh, they were unwilling to see what did they have to see? They had to see that this man was the Messiah, the anointed one. And that is how he was doing it. So Jesus gave us the how. What is the how? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is God working through us. That is why when Jesus began his ministry, and you and I are familiar with these verses. He began his ministry by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he, or God, has anointed me. In other words, he's saying, I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah. And because of that anointing, because of the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit, these works will take place. He has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to those that are blind, uh, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. How? The anointed one. The man anointed by God. That's how. The beautiful thing is this. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he, and he said this. He said, you know, that when he goes to the Father, he will send the Holy Spirit upon all of us, so that all of us believers could be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And today, we are his little anointed ones. And I say little anointed ones because he is the anointed and he is the real Messiah. But you and I are here as representatives of the Messiah. You and I are anointed ones, 2.2, the real Messiah. And but the fact is this, the same Holy Spirit who rested on Jesus rests on us. We are ordinary people, but we are people who are anointed by the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus. And the same Holy Spirit is doing the works through you and me today. So don't worry about the why. Understand the what. That in every situation, Situation, you and I are called to work the works of God. We are sons of light. And Jesus said, 
and you have the light, do the works. So you do the works of God. That means you undo, you step in to undo the effects of sin, Satan, and decay. And now we understand the how. It's by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the authorization Jesus has given to us as his believers to go in his name and to do his works. John 14 and verse 12 is very clear. Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And even greater works because I go to the Father. He's gone to the Father and he's authorized us to do anything and everything that he would do if he were he present here himself today. And that's why uh, knowing that we can step out and say, yes, I am one of them. Who? You. Me. Us. We. The church. The believer. We are the ones who are going to do the works of God. And lastly, uh, so that was the how. And lastly, towards in John chapter 9, towards the end of that chapter, after the Pharisees have uh, cross-examined this man, and this man was just firm in his, uh, his conviction, he said, you know, I can't tell you much about who the man was who healed me, but one thing I can tell you, once I was blind, now I can see. I can tell you how he did it. He told me to go wash in the pool and come back. But I can't answer your theological question or what qualified the man to do it because I don't know who it is. And it's at that moment after the Pharisees, Pharisees have left him, Jesus comes to this man and Jesus asks him, and this is in John chapter 9, Verses 35 to 38. Jesus asks this man, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Who? That brings us to the fourth question. Who? Who is he? And Jesus said to him, You've seen him, and it is the one who's talking to you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So the works of God lead us to an encounter with the God who works, Jesus Christ. The works of God lead us to an encounter with the God who works, Jesus Christ. And that's what happened to this man. The who question was answered for him. He now knew who was the one, who he was really the one who touched him and healed him, that this was the Son of God. And that is the outcome of the works of God. It should lead us to an encounter with the God who works, with the one who works, Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to take time to pray. I want you to understand that the why question has to factor in Sin, Satan, and decay. Don't blame God. When you and I are going through difficulties in life, whether it's a sickness, disease, something else, don't blame God. Understand we are living in a fallen world. Understand we are living in a world that is dark, that has sin at work, that has Satan at work, that is a process of decay that's affecting everything around us. 
So don't blame God. Don't even worry about why. We know these are the factors. But instead, look at what God wants to do. What does God want to do in your situation? I can tell you with absolute confidence, based on the life and the teaching and the ministry of Jesus Christ himself, that he wants to work the works of God in your life, in your situation. That's what he wants to do. Don't worry about the why. What does God want to do? If you're sick, he wants, you to, he wants to heal you. If you're in need, he wants to meet that need. He wants to do the work of God that, that undoes the work of sin, Satan, and decay, death. He wants to do the work of God. That is what God wants to do in your life. And that is what you should set your expectation for. I want to see the work of God take place in my life. I'm not worried about the why. Is it sin or is it Satan or is it decay? It doesn't matter. The problem is there. But I know that in this situation, God wants to work the work of God. He wants to do his work right now, right here. That's what I want to expect. And how is God going to do it? By the power of his Holy Spirit coming to you. And that the Holy Spirit has work, is at work in you. The Holy Spirit will work in you as we believers join our hearts together and pray. As we extend our faith, as we believe God, we will see the glory of God. And today, in this service, as we pray, I want you to expect the work of God to take place in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how. It is not some magical thing. It is not some, uh, you know, uh, psychological thing. It's not some human thing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that will touch you. That God by His Spirit will touch you. That the presence and power of the Holy Spirit will touch your life. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will touch you to heal, to deliver, to change things in your life. That is how. And every work of God will draw you to the God who does the work, Jesus Christ. That you will encounter the who. And if I'm speaking to anyone who's never received Jesus Christ in your life, like this blind man, the ultimate End of the end result of that miracle was Jesus stood before this man and said, I am the Son of God. Do you believe? Do you believe that I am the Son of God? And that's what I want to invite you. If there's anyone listening and you've never believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He is the God who came into this world and walked on the earth as a man, as a Son of God, then today I want to invite you to believe. That in your own heart, you say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. You are God incarnate. You are the God who came into the earth, who walked on the earth as a man to save me from my sins, to bring me into a relationship with God, to make me a child of God. I believe. Now, that is what Jesus brought this blind man into, a place where he recognized that this Messiah is truly the Son of God. And that's the greatest miracle that can take place in your heart and life, that you recognize, that you know, that you encounter Jesus as the Son of God personally, that your eyes are open to see Him for who He really is, the Son of the living God. Right now, our worship team is going to lead us in a song, prepare our hearts, and then uh, we will come back and we will all join together and pray and expect the works of God to take place in your life.
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is love want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness, over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout his name, shout his name, shout Jesus from the mountains, and Jesus in the streets. In the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your name is
Thank you, worship team, for leading us. And, uh, you know, as we pray, like we've tried to learn from this uh, narrative of the healing of the blind man, what must we expect in our situation? The work of God, to, that's what. That's what we must expect, the work of God to take place. In any situation, we say, God, I want to see your work. I'm not going to let sin, Satan, and decay have the final word. No, I'm going to let my God have the final word by him doing his work in my situation. And there's nothing impossible for God. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. It's not about my prayer, it's not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about God, Holy Spirit is gonna to touch you. So as I pray, there are gonna be people around praying. People are gonna be praying from their homes and saying, God, let every sick person be healed. Let every sickness and disease be broken off of the lives of people who are reaching out in faith to Jesus Christ. Uh, let our needs be met. Let financial situations be turned around. Let doors be opened. Uh, let uh, jobs be provided for. So people are going to be praying everywhere. And you, if you are in need and you feel like I need the work of God to take place in my life, as we pray today, as we pray right now, expect to take, expect that to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will touch you wherever you are, and you will see the work of God take place. Uh, as I simply pray in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to expect, if you, if it's part, if you need healing in your body, lay your hand on the part of your body you want Jesus to heal. Expect healing right now. If you're praying for somebody else, uh, lay hands on them or just extend your faith for them. Expect things to happen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in every situation where sin and Satan and decay have caused things to happen, bad things to happen, Lord, you are the light to step in. You are the one who, who, who Lord, you're the one who you, you taught us that you want the works of God to to be put on display there. You want the works of God to take place there. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person listening, connected to this service. God, if there is a need in their life, if there's a situation in their life where sin or Satan or decay has affected their lives right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, let the work of God that undoes what sin, Satan and decay have done, let the work of God take place in their lives right now in Jesus' name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let every sickness and disease leave, let infections and uh, disorders and abnormalities and infirmities in their bodies leave. Let healing flow into their bodies in the name of Jesus. Father, even right now I speak uh, uh, to uh, uh, problems where the muscles have uh, atrophied, uh, whether it's because of a stroke or other reasons. Right now, let life come into those muscles, begin to move those arms, begin to move those legs. In the name of Jesus, receive new life, receive new strength uh, into those 
those limbs right now. And God, I pray also, I reverse the effect of strokes. Uh, Lord, where there have been blood clots in the brains, uh, let them just disappear right now and let people be healed of the strokes, let people regain consciousness right now in the name of Jesus. Let the, 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 the function of the brain that have been impacted by the stroke uh, just be revived once again now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just uh, take authority over cancer as a sickness, as a disease. We command it to leave. Let people be healed of those things in the name of Jesus. Lord, those who are affected by COVID and suffering by COVID are watching now, right now, and extending their heart to you in the name of Jesus. Let the of the disease be broken off of their bodies. Let them be fully restored. Whatever part of their body that's been affected, let there be full restoration, full healing now in the name of Jesus. And let them rise up out of the bed of sickness whole, well. Let life and strength come into their bodies. Father, we speak into situations of need. Let there be the work of God that brings full provision. Let and we speak into situations of, of joblessness. Let the work of God bring new jobs into the lives of people. Our Lord, uh, in places and uh, lives of those who are feeling hopeless, who have given up on life, who are depressed, uh, who feel there is no hope, let the work of God right now bring take place, giving them a hope, and giving them a, a reviving of their hope and giving them a sense of a, a great expectation for the future. Even now, let the work of God take place in their lives. Father, we thank you for meeting the needs of your people are right now by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for doing this. Thank you for doing this. Everywhere where sin, Satan, and decay has affected lives, as they cry out to you right now, Father, in Jesus' name, let the work of God take place. Let chains be broken. Let light break forth. Let the work of God take place. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us on the service today. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if, if possible, take a moment to send us an email. You can email it to testimony at apcwo.org. Uh, tell us what has happened in your life as you join together with us during the service of God ministered to you. Uh, we'd be delighted, we'd be encouraged to hear from you. I also want to uh, uh, mention all the free resources available on our church website. There are sermons that you can go back and listen to. There are books, free books, that you can read. All our resources are free. And uh, just make use of them, share them with others, tell others how they can access these resources and be encouraged. And uh, once again, thank you for being part of this service and God richly bless you. See you again next Sunday. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Heavenly Father and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit continue, remain and enrich your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcbiblecollege.org. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play Store.